state. You've got questions, we've got answers. Welcome to the show, It's Gonna Be Great, featuring Matt and Jen from Home Team for You. And now, without further ado, it's Matt and Jen. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It's Jen Stotter. And Matt Cornstead. And we are excited. We have a guest today, and our producer is totally geeked out about it, so we are going to let him do the introduction. Yes. Uh, so aside from flipping cameras around and running this show, one of my interests for the past several years has always been about uh, cryptocurrency, and I see a big potential here of cryptocurrency and how it relates to real estate. So I found a guest. Uh, his name is Jason Friedman, and he's the host of the YouTube channel, A Chain of Blocks. On his channel, Jason tries to break down and simplify the concepts of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and DeFi. He also tries to explore what decentralization will look like when it's applied to other industries beyond finance. So without further ado, let's bring in our guest, Jason. Jason, how you doing? Hey, Jason. Doing good. Thank you guys for having me. Glad to be here. Very excited. <laughs> yeah, this this will be a fun uh, episode because we have no idea what uh, what this is. So, <laughs> yeah, we get excellent. To, excellent. We, we get to learn. We're excited. So, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So I've always kind of been, you know, involved in, in tech, IT. Um, I currently do have a, a full-time job as an IT manager. Um, I started this project, um, got into cryptocurrency, I would say 2017, um, started with a blog, and then started turning um, some of my articles into kind of short little animated videos. Just seeing that niche of like, People are interested in this, but they don't really know like the questions to ask. They don't really know how to be interested in it because it's so new. Um, and then it's kind of blossomed, and it's it's picked up recently a, a lot of interest in cryptocurrency and and DeFi recently. So we're going to start from the beginning. What is cryptocurrency? So I think cryptocurrency. It's easiest to understand when you you compare it to traditional currency. So we have the dollar. We have fiat currency now, um, and fiat is controlled by you know, in most countries, the Federal Reserve. So they're the ones that are in control of the money supply, how much is created, how much is taken out of circulation. Um, there's no real set of rules on how they go about doing that. And it's a very, very small group of people that get to decide this information. With cryptocurrencies, um, it's in, it works in a decentralized way. So you could have Matt and Jen and uh, Jacob, myself, we could all be con contributing to the consensus of basically the transactions on the network. Um, so it's basically centralized versus decentralized. So I guess the first question I have is obviously the currency we have is currently backed by the federal government. What is backing the or ensuring the cryptocurrency? And that's a, that's a good question. So, and that kind of varies based on the different cryptocurrencies. So um, the definition of fiat means no intrinsic value. So the only reason the money is worth something is because our government tells us it is worth something. So that can be good and, you know, depending on, can be a little bit dangerous. Um, because of that, they can print how much, however much they want and they control it. With, um, with Bitcoin, what backs it up is the protocol. So Bitcoin is a value that's exchanged on the Bitcoin network. So the value is the Bitcoin network. Hopefully that makes sense, but it's basically... 
the the exchange mechanism of the network. So the, the value is the network. The token or coin that runs on it is Bitcoin. So as the value of that network becomes, you know, as, as the network becomes more valuable, so too does the the exchange on it. So if I can jump in here, I'm going to jump in once absolutely because I'm super. Into this. <laughs> you know, I think I think and Jason kind of tell me if I'm on the right track here, but I think one. Uh, analogy that's useful is thinking about a social media network, kind of like Facebook, right? If there was one person on Facebook and they're the only one on Facebook, it doesn't really have much value. But if you have, you know, however many, what billions of people are on Facebook now, well, there's a ton of value in Facebook because everybody's using it. So if nobody really uses Bitcoin, it doesn't really have much value. Uh, but the fact that there are uh, hundreds of billions of dollars invested in Bitcoin and there are millions of people across the world using it, that is what gives it its value. So and over time, as more people, just like more people join Facebook or Instagram, as more people join in the crypto uh, buying Bitcoin, the value of it increases, not only in, in price, but also like uh, its use. So who's the big buyer the big owner of the bitcoin or cryptocurrency is there one person or is there multiple people that are heavily invested in this like is there an eli musk that dumped a ton yeah. of money in it or <laughs> yes yeah, so the the beauty of this is um when you hold bitcoin um you the way it works is you are, get, are you given a public and a private address so you hold it you don't need a bank you can hold your funds your currency privately that's the beauty of it um and the can we know who owns what and who owns everything yes and no so because of the the public addresses we can see everybody's public address we don't know necessarily um who owns what unless they make that information private but because Bitcoin is a public blockchain. View, all transactions are viewable by everybody. So I can see everything. And to answer your question a little bit, Jacob, as well, yes and no with how people are using it. Also, what gives it its value is um, the way Bitcoin is created is by mining, is by completing Bitcoin transactions. So if you think of blockchain, it's blocks that are connected by a chain. And the blocks contain transactions. And as these transactions are verified, a block is, is verified, new Bitcoin is created. So that's how the ecosystem works. So you have this very limited supply. And to you know, if we look at it compared to real estate, the reason it's going up is because people are noticing that the supply is limited. There's not going to be an infinite amount of uh, Bitcoin. In 2140, the mining is going to stop. There will be no more Bitcoin created. So it is... Uh, you know, a moderately inflationary asset. And just like real estate, if there's not a lot of houses on the market, the price of all the houses on the market does go up. Are there companies that buy Bitcoin? I guess it's a two, two-part question. The first one, are there companies that in heavily invest in Bitcoin? And then second, I guess, would be if somebody, like if there was a company that uh, purchased 51% of all the shares available, if that would even be possible at any time, could they then devalue or inflate the Bitcoin value? by owning more than half the shares? So, possibly. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. To answer, your first <laughs> to answer your first question, are there companies that are heavily invested in it? Yes, obviously Tesla just bought 1.5 billion. There's a company called MicroStrategy that owns 2.5 billion of Bitcoin. So there are companies that own a tremendous amount of, of Bitcoin and are banking on that. Um, could could somebody crash the market by selling? I guess if they wanted to, but it's 
not really, you know, it wouldn't really be in their best interest to, to do that. Um, as far as the 51%, that, you know, th that type of attack refers to more of the mining of Bitcoin rather than the actual selling of, of the currency. Um, but, you know, the protocol is set up in a way um, where it's difficult to create these types of attacks that you're talking about. And that's why people are increasing their, their supply. The market cap of Bitcoin is closing in on $900, million or, uh, yeah, $900 billion. So it's continuing to go up. Um, and that's because there there is that level of confidence. It works on a very high level of encryption. It's it's not something that's, you know, easily hackable with our current computing power. Um, and th and that's why you're seeing the the value, you know, being built there. What does um, what is it? Is it DeFi? What does DeFi mean? It's Defi. Yes. Defi. <laughs> what is Defi? <laughs> <laughs> I I know so, nothing. <laughs> You can call it either one. I'm, I'm happy right. with either one. But um, most people <laughs> would refer to DeFi. Um, stands for um, decentralized finance. So it's this entire ecosystem that we're seeing now being built. So you had Bitcoin, and Bitcoin's a network where I can just exchange value with you. Um, and the Bitcoin network essentially operates like a bank. If you think about it, what is the bank essentially doing? It's it's controlling me from sending my money to you know more money than I have essentially. So what the Bitcoin network, the only thing that the Bitcoin network does is it says that if Jason has one Bitcoin and he sends that one Bitcoin to Jen, he can't also send it to Jacob. So it doesn't matter where the Bitcoin goes, it just makes sure that I can't spend it twice. So DeFi um, refers to a, a larger landscape than that because after Bitcoin was Ethereum and Ethereum let us build what is known as a smart contract. So essentially not just a value exchange, a smart contract could uh, include something like if this happens, then that happens. And you, you can say like put conditions, if this condition happens, then release funds this way. So you have these thing, these conditional uh, contracts that can now operate in a decentralized way as well. And that's what's referred to as DeFi, decentralized finance. So what is, what is Bitcoin? What can you do with it actually? Can I like take it somewhere and purchase something? Are there companies that accept Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, now um, Tesla does. Um, you can, uh, there are companies that do. I, I've Buy done Tesla. videos on different <laughs> companies that, that accept. Um, Alibaba, you have... Uh, um, you know, not so many companies in the United States, um, but you can also use it as a value exchange of peer to peer. Um, now they have what's called the, cause one of the, the drawbacks to Bitcoin, as far as using it as a, a cash transaction or as like a credit card transaction is it, it's not instant, right? It takes a little bit of time for those transactions to process. So when you think of it in a retail scenario, I'm, I'm buying groceries, it doesn't work, but now they have protocols that are sitting on top or you can do that in a, in a faster way. So you, you're going to see people, because Bitcoin, you can think of Bitcoin like um, like your, your Mac OS. It's just an operating system. And then they're going to have applications that are built on top of it that allow for the usability and the ease of use and, and more, you know, more functionality. So that's kind of that stage we're in right now. We're building these applications, mostly in finance, that allow us to, to use this in a way we're kind of used to. I could see Amazon in the future accepting Bitcoin or companies like that, the online sites. Apple. Apple, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that Jacob is pretty geeked out about being able to get some kind of a loan, uh, you know, using cryptocurrency. So what, is that even something that's possible? And how, if it is, how does it kind of compare to like getting a 
a regular loan? You're talking home loan, right? Yeah, like a home loan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is possible. Um, so instead of banks, what you have in crypto is they call them um, DAOs, D-A-O, which stands for a decentralized autonomous organization. So it's not controlled by anybody and it works in an autonomous way. So you have these are springing up right now and they're allowing people to invest their cryptocurrency. So I have 10 Bitcoin. I'm going to go store it in, in this decentralized autonomous organization. They can pay me an interest rate and they might loan it out on the back end. So there, there are companies that are doing that right now um, where you can take out a loan. You can deposit your Bitcoin. They'll give you an address to do that. Once received, let's say you um, deposited 10 Bitcoin. They might give you what they call LTV or a loan to value of, of a loan of five Bitcoin. So you can get that and they'll pay that out to you in any currency that you want. So if you want dollars or euros or whatever, and then they'll charge you... Um, you know, one site that I've used charged 5.9%. So I know when you're buying a house, that's not a great interest rate. But if you're looking to convert cryptocurrency, it's not terrible. So you would hold that loan, you would hold that money tied up. It's in an escrow account. The company is not holding it because they're decentralized. So it goes into an escrow account and you pay that back at monthly. And the beauty of that is twofold. You don't have to give up your crypto holding. So if I own Bitcoin and I don't want to sell it to get the money, I can just hold it here. So I'm not giving up my holdings. Two, I can either pay that back with either dollars or I can pay that back with cryptocurrency. So that's a really interesting play for some people. Um, additionally, uh, you're not going to be subject to capital gains tax because um, you're not you're not cashing out the money. You're just taking it's like a business loan or a 401k loan. You're borrowing it from yourself and paying it back to yourself with interest. What's the process of buying Bitcoin or cryptocurrency? How does it work? So in the United States, um, with the exclusion of a few states, New York, there's some some pretty strict guidelines, and I believe Hawaii as well. Um, but generally speaking, you can find a an exchange where you can put in your credit card, debit card, and fund a crypto account. So it would look similar to, um, you know, funding any any account that you would fund to to purchase. Generally, the um, with cryptocurrency, when you sign up, you're going to have to go through what they call um, they call it KYC or know your customer check, but it's generally pretty light where they want to see a driver's license um, and make sure you're not doing any money laundering. But they will, uh, you can go to a site like Coinbase. There's a few different crypto.com where you can just, I want to buy $100 worth of Bitcoin. They're going to charge you a, a small fee for that to process that credit card transaction. And then that amount of Bitcoin will show up in your wallet and you can access that. You can transfer it. You can um you can buy other cryptocurrencies, things like that. So it, the process takes about 10 minutes or so. So I'm assuming the value of, of Bitcoin will go up and down depending on the supply and demand again. Um, how does that, how do you view that? Is there a site, do you go on the website and just you can see what, the, what it's selling for at any point? Basically, does it look yeah. like a stock? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's several sites where you can just see um, all the different prices in, in real time. And also, if you're on a specific exchange looking to purchase or exchange between currencies, they're going to have that information. So it'll show you um, the highs and the lows, the market caps and all that, that information, all the research. So it does become a little bit like stocks in that way. Um, but these things can also be used to exchange value as well. So for people that are thinking about getting 
alone or trying to go that way. How does like the loan terms and interest rates, do you have any idea how those kinds of things work? So it does depend um, on the site that you use. Um, the site that I've used in the past is called Nexo um, and they, they have different tiers. So um, depending on what tier you fall into, I think you can get it as low as 5.9%. And, you know, some people do this just to convert cryptocurrency. So I have, you know, 20 Bitcoin, I'll put in 10 and I'll get five and then I'll pay back and I'll get my, my Bitcoin back. So some people are doing it to do that and they'll just do it for, for one month. Some people will do it for a longer term. Their maximum uh, that you can borrow is $2 million. So they will give you up to a $2 million loan um, secured by them. It takes, I've spoken to them and it takes about five days to execute up to five business days to execute. Um, and people have done this. I don't know if you guys are familiar, uh, with the old mighty ducks movies, but Brock Pierce, the actor from the old mighty ducks yeah. movie, he actually used Nexo um, to fund a 1.2, $1.3 million house in Amsterdam about three years ago. Um, so people have done this. Um, and I think it's going to become, you know, more popular as we move forward. What do taxes look like on the cryptocurrency? Do you have to pay tax on the gain every year? Is there, I guess, how does that, how is that structured? It, it definitely depends on, um, well, there's a lot of factors, but it depends how much you're actually invested. Um, once you, and it, you know, there's also, I don't want to get too technical here, but there's also what we would call centralized and decentralized exchanges. So we talked about decentralized, centralized. Finance. So if you wanted to take your credit card and buy Bitcoin, you go to a centralized exchange. They're going to process your credit card and you could get your Bitcoin. From there, you could move it to what is known as a decentralized exchange. And the difference here is um, if you think of like TD Ameritrade, you want to buy a, a, a share of Apple, you're going to put up your dollars. They're going to give you the Apple stock then you're going to give them the Apple stock back and they're going to give you your dollars. So TD Ameritrade is facilitating that. When that operates in a decentralized way, it's called a liquidity pool. So anybody can contribute their liquidity to that pool. So if I have Ethereum and Bitcoin, I can contribute it to that Ethereum pool. So now I become the market maker and you can start buying that pair from me and I can make a profit on any trade. And when you get into that type of trading, it becomes a little bit fuzzy as to how much you're actually trading because there isn't really a centralized record that the government is pulling on that. So I don't want to um, talk about like avoiding paying taxes, but it just is, there's a lot of uh, information. I People should probably consult a, a tax advisor <laughs> for that particular question. Um, yeah. When you do cash out crypto um, to fiat, you are going to be subject to um, capital gains taxes. Sure. Are there any kind of credit checks involved? I know you said that sometimes there was like a little bit of a check em fee or something, but for these kinds of loans, you'd think that they'd, when, when I'm just hearing about it, it seems to me that there's a lot of kind of trust in this process and there's all these protocols and you follow the protocols and everyone trusts that it's going to happen. So do they do like credit checks or is it just sort of what I'm envisioning of everybody sort of following protocols and trusting each other? Good luck. So they don't, yeah, they, they don't <laughs> check your credit because you're securing the loan. So they're doing their research on the back end to make sure that what they're giving you as a loan is not going to jeopardize what they already have as far as your collateral. So that's that's on them. So in that regard, they don't do a credit check. Um, 
the word though that I like to use is is there's a lot of trust. So I think as we move to this landscape, there can be more trust because we're using protocols or what they like to call is trustless. So I don't have to trust a human being to facilitate. So there's not there's not any greed, there's not any corruption. It's just the system doing the same thing every time. So in that way, there is a lot of trust. Um, I guess in a trustless way. So that's kind of the the goal of what people are trying to do. So I'm going to go back to the beginning again. <laughs> and back. <laughs> how did this all start? I mean, how long has it been around? How did it start? Who's the the company that um, is regulating the protocols? Okay, this is a fun story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Bitcoin uh, started anonymously. Uh, oh, so wait a minute, a wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. Did you say it started how? Yeah, yeah. So it was basically just released. Um, the, the, the creator of Bitcoin goes by the anonymous pseudonym of Satoshi Nakamoto. Is not a, a real person. There is speculation on, on who this actually is. But it's, it's somebody that is... Um, very well versed in computer programming and encryption. Uh, the method of, of blockchain is not new. Blockchain has been around for a while. Blockchain uses a particular consensus algorithm. So how do we how do we know that transactions are valid? It uses something called proof of work. And proof of work is what was created here is basically known as the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, so this is how the transactions are validated. And basically it was just created. Uh, and the way Bitcoins are created as is transactions happen. So as transactions are happening, as I mentioned, they're coming in in a block. A block has a specific size limit. So they fit as many transactions into that block. And then that block is picked up by the validators on the network. And the first thing that those validators do is they add in one extra transaction into the block. And that block is known as the mining reward. So as soon as whoever what's called mines that block, which is basically just verifying those transactions. Whoever gets credit for that gets that mining reward. And that reward is an amount of Bitcoin. Right now it's 12.5 Bitcoin. So that's how much you get every time you mine a block. And a block's mine every 10 minutes. So you can figure that out, how many Bitcoins are created every day. It's always the same. And every, don't quote me on the amount of blocks, but every certain amount of blocks, it lasts for about two years or so, the block reward will reduce by half until we get to the year 2140, where it will be basically nothing. And the network will just run on light transaction fees. Okay, I'm going to go back to the beginning again. <laughs> I, I feel like Matt is getting tripped up on the anonymous yes, part. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, what, is, what was the benefit Please. for this guy setting this up? What was his reasoning? Why did, I mean, why? What, is he benefiting right now? Does he have a, a large share of the yeah. Bitcoin? Yeah, so that... That address, that address is the number one address as far as owning Bitcoin. Um, we so don't know who the guy. actually owns that address, <laughs> or she, or she's the guy. Yeah, he you or don't she, know. he or she, or a group of people. We don't, right. we don't really know. Um, there were emails sent out at the time of inception. It was um, very on, so like 2009-ish uh, message boards and things like that. And then that person, whoever it was, stopped. Um, and just release what they released, and the system took over. There was no initial funding on the system. It was just, here's the, here's the system. If people want to use it, they can use it. They can send their transactions, and then more Bitcoin will be created. As more people use it, more Bitcoin are created. Just think about that. This anonymous person set this up and said, here, you can put money into it. Yeah. <laughs> here's 20 bucks. <laughs> I, I've, 
I feel like there's so many conspiracies out there about who who this mysterious entity is. Like I've heard crazy stuff like Sasquatch. Or or aliens or like a time traveler. It's the guy that jumped out of the plane with the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was his name? Yeah. Yeah. Like Oregon jumped out of a plane, back mm. of a plane, got that ransom money. I, I do think though it's like a really cool story. It's like, okay, there's this revolutionary thing that's changing the world and nobody knows where it came from. But even if you think about it, just to have the have somebody give money to actually start and fund and then it keep rolling. You know, you'd think at some point, it's a, it's a great idea, it's anonymous, but at some point somebody said, why am I giving this anonymous person or anonymous protocol money without seeing anything? You're just basically trusting that this is going to evolve and develop over time. So, so the initial was not giving money. The initial was kind of like, if you can think of, we're a group of friends. I got this new thing that I just created. I'm going to send you 25 Bitcoin here. Let's pass it around and, and just see how this works. And then it kind of just exploded over time to the point where you had companies coming in and capitalizing on top, realizing that they were now massive holders of Bitcoin and could provide that to others that were seeking. So you had that that capital gain, you know, that capitalism come in after the, the initial idea. It <laughs> so, still blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. I could see the capitalism taking over over time, um, but just the initial prior to that for it to develop and explode as it did prior to the capitalism coming in just, just still blows some, my mind. Some kind of a super genius with a whole bunch of money just decided to try this. So it, they're but the it ones. Didn't, it didn't require money to start. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, no? yeah. It was, well, just, it? it was just their idea, so it doesn't have to be a super rich It was person. the program that... It has value. The program, the so, like software, if you will, the protocol, mm -hmm. the, the computer code is the value. The mm. fact that it exists and is, uh, you know, it has all these properties, that's why people can trust it. It's like, uh, it's like if Pokemon cards had value. You they know? do, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people want to buy mean? the Pokemon cards because there's, there's only a limited number of them. And you can trust that the Pokemon card won't be duplicated. But see, that's what happened to Pokemon cards too. There was too many and then they were devalued. Well, what happened with Pokemon <laughs> cards is that all the parents had to drive through every cemetery looking for yeah. all these things with their all kids. All the gas that was yeah. spent trying to find Pokemon cards. Yeah. That's Pokemon Go. Okay, sorry. Oh, whatever. Keep it, keep it together. <laughs> same as Beanie Babies, same thing. I just know that I drove through a bunch of cemeteries and we went by this one place and then my kid was happy because he found some super thing and I'm like, great. Can we go home now? <laughs> but yeah. you know what, uh, Jason, actually, I, I think this does tie into a, a good question because I think people might not wrap their head around this idea of like, is this just a collectible, like a Pokemon card? Like, why is it different? <laughs> why, is, why is this so different than just collecting whatever the hot new trend is? And we've kind of covered it a little bit. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think in the beginning, you know, people weren't really sure, but... You know, when we look at what's happened over the past two weeks in particular, uh, when you look at the GameStop fiasco with centralized finance, and you consider that the stock market has $77 trillion tied up in it, and now you look at Bitcoin as an asset, has just moved into the top 10 worldwide, I think it's like eight or nine, passing Apple, passing Facebook. Um, so it's it's... You know, it's kind of becoming, you know, people don't want to admit this maybe, but it is kind of becoming the global currency. Uh, when you look at what's happening around the world, the dollar 
continuing to lose value. We're about to pump $1.2 trillion in. That doesn't help the value of the dollar. And that also means that people are probably going to take a little bit of that money and hedge it against. So, I mean, you know, the price of Bitcoin, in my opinion, is no doubt going to increase. Um, what the future holds exactly, I, I don't know that we can be exactly sure. Um, but, you know, it's eight, eight hundred or $900 billion is, you know, it's it, it's a hell of a honeypot if somebody could go and attack right. that and get all the money out. Yeah. And, and you know, tying it back into um, getting loans and buying a house with it and all of that, you know, that's personally what interests me. It's like I've been, you know, saving up some crypto here and there for the past several years and uh the bull runs happening right now and i'm quite confident that what i have now is going to be substantially larger in the coming months and i just feel icky cashing out because i know i under i i know that this this the value of this is going to go up so much that um you know i'll have a house but i'm going to feel bad that i lost all my bitcoin if i can take out a loan and yeah. keep my bitcoin as it raises in value well now i it's a win right now just i have my house and I got my and I got my crypto. Just think about that. You can actually make money on your loan. Right. That's what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. It, it literally could appreciate much faster than you're actually paying an in interest. So Yeah. And and you know, looking at the 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 history of how volatile and how much uh, cryptocurrency Bitcoin has gone up at, since its inception, um, you know, if the interest rate is five percent, man, Bitcoin goes up by five percent in a day <laughs> like that's you know it's nothing as far as interest rates are concerned when you consider the asset is raising in value so fast i think you know over time like everything else there will be a, a dip uh housing market crashed uh wall street tra crashed i could see at some point i mean it, you never know when it's going to happen but you know i think at some point you could have the same thing with bitcoin or cryptocurrency Actually, Jason, um, could we t talk about that for a minute? Because, you know, there has been quite a few crashes. Uh, I think there's been three major ones. Um, you know, can we talk about, uh, as simple as we can, the, the <laughs> having you. event? Because I think, I think the having event, I don't know. I'm sure, Jason, you're somewhat familiar with the stock-to-flow model. I personally think it's a very predictable model myself. <laughs> and I don't know if we want to crack, crack that egg or not or <laughs> go Absolutely. into that. Absolutely. <laughs> I like omelets. So, so yeah, look, it, it, Bitcoin is, is there's definitely some volatility. I've been in this market for a long time. Um, there's, there's great gains and it, you know, it's steadily gone up, but you have to be prepared for 40% pullbacks over the course of two to three days. Like if you're not prepared for that, like this is not for you. Um, and real estate doesn't do that. Um, traditional finance ge generally doesn't do that. Um, not over this short period of time. It moves incredibly quickly. Um, it's a 24 seven market. It doesn't take off holidays. It's, it's always available. That's, that's the thing about decentralization. So yes, there has been pullbacks. Generally the pullbacks, you know, the having, the having is usually a good event for the price because um, your your less less cryptocurrency is getting into circulation every time. So that generally is good for the price. What's not good for the price is is bad news. Or you know, generally in the United States, we've had a lot of bad news over the past two to three years. So 2018 was a, a rough year for crypto. But now what you're starting to see is Bitcoin was first. Ethereum then brought us smart contracts. Ethereum now is getting a little bit overcrowded, a little bit pricey for transactions, and a little bit slow. So you're seeing these 
other blockchains that are advancements of Ethereum. And this is not very, you know, different than what we've seen in, in internet technology or all the, the different technology. We had MySpace and then we had, like all these things advance and they get better over time. So we're still in that infancy. Um, so Bitcoin, in my opinion, is the most stable of them. Um, it's not going anywhere. There was no ICO. There was no initial funding. Government can regulate it. There's no way to stop it because there's just no way to stop it. Um, so I think that's a pretty stable investment moving forward. Will there be pullbacks? Of course. I mean, today is a bad day. Yesterday was a great day. But over time, it generally goes in a very, very steady uh, upward motion. So I have a friend who's uh, considering getting into this. Yeah, you do. <laughs> where, do you, where do you start? Which one do you invest in Bitcoin? Or is there a different option that you'd start in? And by friend, he means himself. That Maybe. is what it means. I'm really sure what you're talking about, Jacob. I, I, I told you. <laughs> so I would, for someone like that's not ever done this before, a friend, uh, I would suggest you go to a place like uh, a Coinbase or a, a Crypto.com. Um, very easy to get started. Um, and yeah, my my suggestion would be to dollar cost average into Bitcoin. Um, you know, over a period of maybe one or two months, kind of get your feet wet um, with how that works. Because the market does, you know, is a little volatile, I would, you know, pick a day during the week and maybe just invest smaller amounts over the, that period of time. And then you'll get your feet wet. You'll see how it works. You'll see how that exchange process works. And then from there, you can start to, you know, I would hold, I would hold Bitcoin. Like that's, like I said, that's going to do well for you. But you can see how that exchange works, how I can exchange Bitcoin for Ethereum. And then you can get a little bit deeper. At that point, though, like it is difficult. Even myself, when I come across these new technologies, you got to do a little bit of research on what they actually do and what the benefit is. But you'll start to see what the benefit of Bitcoin is, how the value is exchanged. And then the you know, logical step would probably be to Ethereum, which is the second largest cryptocurrency. I think the hardest thing, like Jen and I have rental properties and people ask how we get into it. And I said, you know, the first one's always the hardest, uh, you know, getting into it. And I think it's the same thing with technology-based uh, financing or cryptocurrency or any of this is the same thing. It's just the first You have first to step. learn it because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, I'm I learned really so sure much. I'm not really sure what you're talking about. <laughs> well, no, I, I learned so much just doing this podcast. So thank you. It's interesting. My mind's still blown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to text you my number and then when I should buy, just let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. I'll put you on my signal alerts. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke signals. <laughs> Jacob's making fun of me. Uh, I'm sighing because Jen said smoke signals. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun podcast. I mean, this is one that Jen and I going into this have no idea. We're usually, we're kind of the experts on what we're talking about when it's real estate. So it's kind of fun to have something that, we don't have any idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I hear the concepts seem a lot very similar in some ways because like buy and hold and, and do these things because that's, I mean, that's what we do with real estate and it's been super successful for us. So lots of, lots of interesting ways how it all kind of rolls together in investing. Definitely. Absolutely. And, we yeah, and I appreciate the, you guys reaching out because, you know, it's, it's not, you know, traditional that you would get people reaching out from real estate, but I, I love that you're bringing your audience to this. This is great. Yeah, yeah it's a interesting. I mean, because it's getting new and exploding, and one of those things that people may want to look into, it's definitely something we want to we want to share. Yeah, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if in you know the next couple of years, people be like, I'll say, I, I need your pre-approval letter, and they'll be like, here's my you know Bitcoin. Um, is it a statement or whatever it is? And I'd be like, uh oh. 
<laughs> so, where did this, so you said, where did this start? Was it Japan, did you say? No. So we don't know. Oh, you don't know where it started? Exactly. Um, we don't know exactly. Uh, there's a lot of very influential people in crypto that have gone on, you know, after the success of Bitcoin to create, you know, additional projects or additional blockchains. It's most likely one or a group of these people that have already been involved in the landscape. Um, you know, generally, I, I don't know if this started as to challenge the U.S. dollar, but whoever did start this had to have that in their mind and, and not want their name to be associated with challenging yeah. the U.S. dollars. That probably is not going to end well. It'd be interesting to track over the next few years how Bitcoin ties into real estate. Because, you know, I could see starting the as a tech company starting out that way, just basically mortgages based on um, Bitcoin or other technology. Are you wanting to open a company, honey? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm already feeling Trademarked. it. Mm-hmm. Do, Jason, do we, do we dare uh, break into tokenization? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there, is there, do you, like, do you want me to, how, how do you want me to go about this? This is all you, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is now Jacob's podcast. Very, go. Very <laughs> gently. <laughs> very, very high level, basic, basic uh, stuff. <laughs> So just different tokens, essentially, how, how tokens mean, work? Um, I, I was thinking, you know, the idea of, um, sorry, I'm hitting all these buttons. I'm switching cameras so fast. But just the idea of how real estate could essentially be broken up into like fractional elements uh. and you can use cryptocurrency to buy parts of property instead of whole property. Well, there's that now that exists now without the current, without the cryptocurrency. They have that now. Mm-hmm. It, actually, it actually exists with the cryptocurrency. Yeah. Mm, oh, wow. There's one that's so, it's, it's a different one. It's uh name the company. Picasso. Picasso. Oh. It's a a group of the former Zillow execs formed this company where you buy a um it's almost like a timeshare, but you buy portions of a house. Mm-hmm. So an eighth of a house, quarter, half, whatever that might be. You have to be able to think out of the box. There's so many cool things. So um I had not heard of that that you're talking about, but if you guys should look at, there's a company called Realty, which is R-E-A-L and then the initial T, and similar concept to what you're saying, but it's done on a blockchain. So they buy real estate properties and they tokenize that property and essentially divide it into shares. So each share becomes a token that you could buy uh, from an exchange. So And they charge, they'll, they'll basically give you a fixed uh, return based on what they feel that they're going to rent that property and the, the fees, all everything associated with that. But then that could also go up over time as the property increases in value. So you can buy these tokenized shares, which are essentially um, tokens that run on the Ethereum blockchain. And uh, it's it's real estate. Problem with it, I, I've wanted to uh, do this myself. Uh, although they buy real estate in the United States, you cannot invest in the United States unless you're an accredited investor. So I've asked them, they tell me this is coming soon, but for now, um, it's only available for people outside the United States. But stuff like that is definitely coming. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's only a matter of time. I wonder what the difference is between the cryptocurrency concept of it and then what Matt's talking about with, with Picasso. I mean, obviously, with Picasso. It's basically just the currency. So the one I'm talking about would just be a loan, like a standard... 
I, mortgage. A lot of people would probably pay just cash mm-hmm. if you can afford to buy. You know, I mean, we're talking about Southern California. Well, where you are, Jason. <laughs> All those houses that are ridiculously priced. Yeah. So that's kind of what they're talking about in those type of homes. It's interesting. In, in uh, well, Jason, do you have any thoughts? Like, if you were a psychic, like <laughs> what, if, if you had a crystal if ball, you were. yeah, uh, where you think you know where real estate and crypto kind of will come together in the future? Well, look, the finance part of it definitely makes sense. Um, I had a. Um, a real estate broker in Beverly Hills reached out to me via my my channel, um, wanting to facilitate a $65 million crypto home wow. uh, purchase. So um, people definitely want to use this to exchange value and, and for large values. Um, we couldn't help that guy, by the way. That's that's difficult to pull up. But, um, <laughs> it's a lot of money. Or definitely, a lot of, yeah. yeah. Look, you have to have somebody that's <laughs> willing to exchange that, right? So right. That, that becomes difficult. Um, so... But definitely, I think beyond that, um, what, I you know, real estate, I'm not into all the avenues, but I could definitely see uh, a lot of the contracts that are that are involved when you're buying a home, operating on a blockchain, um, because you're, you're looking at, you know, any type of contract works well on a blockchain. Turn it into a smart contract. Um, it's viewable, but it's immutable. So it operates under encryption, but it's completely transparent. So you eliminate... You eliminate corruption. You eliminate a lot of these things um, when you looked at a lot of the contracts. Um, beyond that, uh, it's hard. It's hard to say. Um, but you know, I think what you're going to see in in real estate, we're already seeing in finance. You're going to see it in medicine and politics and all these types of fields. Is is trying to take these things that were essentially relying on humans and human interaction, and where we can try to use protocols to replace that um, so we can operate this this trustless environment i could see the whole real estate industry being turned and going all electronic i mean it pretty much is now i mean all the wire transfers are just they're just electronic yeah but there's still just wire transfers there's no actual cash being brought to the table anymore it's just pretend money But I could see yeah. the I could see the cryptocurrency devaluing the dollar even more. Eventually, well, yeah, so and that's a question I ask all the time. Like, you know, is the value of is the increased value of Bitcoin because of people buying Bitcoin and people are accepting Bitcoin and liking Bitcoin, or is it you know more of us pumping all these dollars in and devaluing the dollar? So probably a little bit of a combination of both. Um, but yeah, I mean what we're doing with the dollar and it's just, it's two completely different ideas. Um, and we'll just kind of see what, which one ends up working over time. Yeah, this was pretty crazy. My mind's, I'm going to be spinning for a couple days. So I'm confident (laughs) that our family will be purchasing some kind of Bitcoin, something in the near future because I know Matt. So no boat and I'm buying Bitcoin. Is that what you're saying? That's what I just heard. I'm pretty sure our son's going to be pretty upset. You can just hold off on the boat. You can get two boats. <laughs> oh, all right. That's good. Well, I learned a ton. So yeah. I really, really appreciate great. you hopping on with us. And I think our listeners will, will appreciate learning about this as well. And Jacob's still geeked out over it. Oh, so geeked out. This has been my favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it, guys. This was a great time. Well, we'll have to have you back on uh, in a few months and see where we're at. <laughs> Please. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. 
We'll have our Lambos. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have our Lambos by then. Yes, we will. We'll be doing this remotely. Yeah, yeah. We'll be in California by then. That's right. so. <laughs> All right. Well, right, thanks so it. much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yep. Have a great day. Yep, you too. too. Bye. Oh, that was crazy. <laughs> so, uh, what are your what are your thoughts? I don't even know. <laughs> the silence. Well, it's interesting that it occurred to me that I thought that everything was built on trust, but it's supposed to be trustless. So he maybe thought I was bananas. But I mean, it it really it seems like if there's these protocols and there's just it's how digital it is. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's digital, but you you trust that it's going to be that way. You know what I mean? You don't have the people element that they could be like, do it different. Right. I so I, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency <coughs> is called a trustless <coughs> system mm -hmm. because it doesn't actually require trust at all. Um, unlike a bank, um, you that involves trust because you have to make sure that the you know, the cashier or, or, you know, whoever you're working with doesn't mess it up and other people don't mess it up and there's no error. Like, there's humans that can make mistakes at the bank. There's no humans for any mistakes to be had in yeah. crypto. But for a person like my personality type, I have to trust this computer model well, it's that, that it's actually going to work and... Do what it's supposed to do. You're almost doing the same thing with investments, though. You're trusting that, I guess, there's a person, some kind so of So even though it's trustless, there. to me, I would have, I mean, learning more Jenna's about trust it, issues. I, I may have trust issues. I mean, because if somebody tells me what was the name of the person who created this initially? Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay, so there's that, and they came from who knows where, and that's mm -hmm. probably not a real person. I, I'm People, be a, a little person. bit skeptical, you know? Maybe ghosts, yes. Maybe Bigfoot. But this, I don't know. <laughs> Sasquatch so. does exist. <laughs> and so does Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it takes me a minute. I have to learn it. And the more he was talking about it, the more I could trust it, even though it's trustless. So maybe well, I seem weird. But No, I don't think so. I think everybody's on that level. Because yeah. it's new, it's foreign, and it's what you don't understand. And, and I think that's what the value of this podcast is, is because if you don't understand it, how can you trust it or not trust it? Because right. you don't even know what it is. But if you take the time to absorb the knowledge of what exactly is this hype about this Bitcoin, I hear it on the news, and what is it? And then you start to understand uh, the basics of it, the more you can trust that you don't have to trust it. You think some yeah. of the hype works. That makes sense. You think some of the hype is what, what you just mentioned, is that what's driving up the the price of it? I mean, is it artificially inflated because of the buzz? Well, I think it goes through market <coughs> cycles just like the stock market does. You know, it has bull, the bull market and then the bear market or whatever. And I think that mainstream news um, will talk about it when it's at certain levels of the bull market. When it's at super hype and the value is going up crazy, well, that's newsworthy. So you're going to hear it on the news, which is going to you know, reinforce the bull, like make it go up even more. And then that parabolic run up happens. And then what we had in 2017, 2018, you know, Bitcoin peaked at like 20,000 bucks a coin. Oh. And then it just crashed and it, and it just went down for a solid year or mm. plus where it went down to about $3,000. Uh, and then it, the bear market was over and it went back up. And then as of today, you know, it is 
more than twice as high as the highest point of that crash uh, in 2017. So, you know, it, it reaccumulates. But if you look at the long tail, the big, the big trajectory since the first day it was created when it was worth nothing and then eventually it was worth like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a penny, it's only gone up in value. I mean, except for, you know, if you look at it long term, it's going up dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I can see Matt, Matt's wheels are turning. Matt li- likes to, finance and all that. It'd be interesting that. just to see what it does. I mean, I don't know if now is the time to buy it. I mean, maybe it's something we just keep an eye on. And Not financial advice. <laughs> uh, personally, my personal belief, I am, you know, I'm a marketer and a guy that runs a like a camera equipment here. I am not a expert on, on this stuff, but my personal experience is we are about, uh, you know, a third, maybe potentially halfway through the next, the bull run cycle for cryptocurrency right now. And 2021, it is on its way up. I mean, I could be wrong tomorrow. It could crash and like today could be the peak of it. But the way it's, if you, if you study the market and trend analysis and, and how prices have been changing over time, it is certainly has a lot of evidence to show that it's going to go up substantially more before we start to see that huge, you know, next big correction or dip or bear market. But why, why is it going up? Well, I mean, it's going up because everything we talked about, why it has value in the first place. I still don't get it. (laughs) Matt, you're getting really deep, but why? You know, a lot of people think they, they call Bitcoin digital gold. You know, why does gold have value? Because we give it value. But why? Because we make cool stuff out of it. It's just like the sticks. <laughs> it's just like the sticks. We should probably talk about the sticks, Jen, before. Well, you know, the, the, one of the reasons why gold has value is because it's scarce. There's not much of it. Mm-hmm. And it's also malleable. You can kind of bend it into different shapes and coins and stuff so you can transport it uh, between different people. And for hundreds of years, that's how society used that metal as a form of currency. Um, and it became just part of kind of the culture. Well, Bitcoin um, is similar to that. It's the digital version. There's a scarce amount of it in the world. Why? Why is it? Because it's digital, right? Why can't there just be more? That goes back to the idea. Protocols. Protocols. That goes back to the idea of mining. Uh, so I think Jason yeah, hit on mining yeah. a little bit before. Mm-hmm. But mining is, we didn't really talk about it in the podcast too much, but it's crazy because you run these graphics cards, these computer, these little computers basically, and they are just like cranking. They suck up tons of electricity and that's the only, they have to run these codes to kind of essentially, I could be screwing this up, hopefully someone can correct me, but essentially <laughs> it's cracking a code. If you crack the code, you win the prize. The prize is Bitcoin. And the protocol that was created 12 years ago or whatever, it says every 10 minutes there's a new prize. And so all of these computers all over the world are trying to crack the code. And every 10 minutes, some of them win the prize. And that's their, it's just like mining gold in the dirt. So So it's like a big treasure hunt. It is. It is very much like a big treasure hunt. Now, what makes it so that you can't just like, why can't we just crack more? Well, the code doesn't allow it. The code was created the way it is. So you can't change the code uh, unless you had 51% of the Bitcoin, which no one on earth has. or Except any- for the creators. No. Oh, I thought he said the creators might have enough. No. No, they don't either. No. You, you, no. 
That's, that was just dumb on their part then. I mean, they did at one point, but it more had been created so much as, you know, more coins were created and they kind of trailed off or whatever. They never kept, or they don't, you know, their percentage of holdings is smaller. So I don't, you know, it's never been cracked. It's never been bit the, the, the protocol, the computer code, just like you can update software. The software has never really been updated for Bitcoin. Um, whenever somebody wants to update the Bitcoin software, what happens is a new coin is created. It's called forking, and people have tried it before. There's other coins out there that kind of copy Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin. Uh, there's other, like, side versions of Bitcoin, but none of them uh, have the same uh, value because it's not the original. It's not the OG, but the first Bitcoin is, it's the first one, so everybody trusts that original one, and it's, and because of that, it's just, uh, it's pretty stable as far as um, its ability to do what it's designed to do. I think at some point, if it does go mainstream where you can use it to buy a computer or McDonald's or whatever, I think at that point, that's probably when you're going to see the price go up too. I mean, the price is already going up. I mean, more than a what huge you're amount. Seeing. You know, I've, it's already at $45,000 for, for a Bitcoin and, um, you know, top of tw- or beginning of 2017 at this time, it was a, it was under a thousand. So, 45x in a couple of years. Um, you know, paint that forward a couple more years, it's going to be a million dollars a coin soon enough. Um, but I think uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure if Bitcoin will ever be used in that exact manner, where it's just like traded like like money, like you go to McDonald's and you buy a cheeseburger with Bitcoin. Not entirely sure that's that's going to happen. It might. There's this because you could draw. Basically, you could probably use it like an ATM. Draw off your. They actually they actually have Bitcoin ATMs. They're they're more common in other countries, but you can go up with your credit card or whatever. If your Bitcoin card, you pop it in and you pull out money. It'd be the same thing as using a transaction again to buy a computer, go to McDonald's, use the same thing as an ATM to withdraw money off your Bitcoin. Now the the biggest hurdle right now with doing that is that because of the blockchain that we, you know we kind of mentioned that word a bunch of times it's a little slow for our tastes you know uh, we need other layers on top in order to speed up the process because it takes about 10 minutes so if i were to give you bitcoin it'd take about 10 minutes for it to get into your account and so if you're at mcdonald's you're not going to sit there for 10 minutes waiting for the transaction to go through you want it instant so we need other protocols on top to kind of speed that process yeah, along. i was like i see, i'm we got to figure out how to do that, how to speed it up, and then yeah. then we're the winners. But it's a lot faster than gold. Chicken I mean, dinner. imagine like hunking around a wheelbarrow of gold everywhere you go, and you walk into McDonald's, and then you give them some gold. Like it's so been it's a minute faster. since I've done that. Yeah, <laughs> they, that's how they used to do it. But you know, at McDonald's, that's why, <laughs> that's why they don't call it digital cash. They call it digital gold. It's more ah. of a store of value right now than it is so much a um, the cash level. But there's other cryptocurrencies out there that are trying to you know, go for that spot of being like the cash option. But does that devalue the other option, the other Bitcoins and the other ones of the world? I think you can make an argument that it can. Because it just creates more supply for the demand. Well, you can't increase the supply of Bitcoin, but you can increase the supply of other coins. And that's been a fear, but... Because then I can spend my money on the other coins instead of Bitcoin. Right, and that yeah. you can do that now. But the thing is, is... And this is a question everybody has to wrap their head around with, with this whole con- something I wrap my head around too. Because personally, while I talk about how much I love Bitcoin, most of my crypto is in Ethereum. 
I own more Ethereum than I do Bitcoin because I believe Ethereum is going to go up in value way faster and way, ha way higher probability of increasing value than, than Bitcoin is right now. Um, so that is like something to consider. But I think the bigger picture is like this whole idea of blockchain cryptocurrency and what the whole construct of it is, is going to take over money. It's going to take over business. It's going to take over, you know, contracts and um, just all of these kind of gray areas where these middlemen people they have to trust are doing their job properly. Th these protocols are going to wipe them all away. And, uh, you know, things are just going to work really smooth and fast. And it's just going to change the landscape of everything. <laughs> and the end. Yeah. So this has been my absolute <laughs> favorite episode of this show of all time. So <laughs> thank you we guys. We should definitely for, have uh, him on again, though. Yeah. Are you going to buy some? I personally, I think you should. I think you should buy a little bit just so you can learn and you can sit and you can watch it. You check your account one day, you're like down, you're like, this sucks. The next day you're up, you're like, this is great. This and will you, be my new life, Jacob. You know, that's how, that's how I, that's, that's how he is. What was the thing that you bought that we didn't Wells get? Wells Fargo. No, but you bought Wells Fargo, but you bought some kind of it's a oh. debit, debit card. No, it was an E-Trade. Oh yeah. He got an E-Trade account and I'm like, okay, you have this much money. And then he like lost it. Oh. Lose it all. Wells Fargo is still around. Yeah, well, we we get like a thing from them once a year, twice a year, and I think he's made his money back, but just he lost his interest very quickly. You just have a stock in Wells Fargo? Yeah. Just oh. Wells Fargo stock, random. Well, you bought something. It, it was, was like uh, corn that fuels cars or something. Instead. How did that not work? I know. <laughs> Since they have that now. Ethanol? Ethanol. And can you guys imagine that I put like a limit on what he could invest? <laughs> use that use that limit. Bitcoin, Jen. Bitcoin. Valentine's Day. Bitcoin will be the death of Wells Fargo. <laughs> Great. Pull my stock out of Wells Fargo and invest well, it. Well, that's what you can do. Take that stuff and put it in Bitcoin. Then you're going to pay capital gains on the cash flow, don't you? You can't buy you, Yeah, you have to get it out of that whatever account you have yeah transferred over to like coinbase or probably like five hundred dollars tops at tops yeah what in his e-trade yeah because yeah. let's say it may have does can it go negative i'm thinking well, probably <laughs> i bought it i bought it just before <laughs> remember the wells wells fargo scheme mm -hmm. that yeah yeah right before that yeah, yeah so this seems safe <laughs> stable wells fargo <laughs> bitcoin doesn't have those scandals all right. <laughs> Yet. Well, th Yet. there's plenty of there's plenty of scandals go around. It's still there's still human beings here, but uh, the coin itself doesn't have any. All right, all right. I th I, I think we've yes, trailed we've off real estate so <laughs> far, but it's all right. All right. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned something. We did. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to my favorite episode of It's Going to Be Great of All Time. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you are following us on Spotify or whatever podcast platform of choice you have. Uh, next time, we'll be talking about more real estate-related topics. So I hope you join us. And uh, see you later. Bye. Bye.